Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Our guest today, Mr. Rex Nelson, is one of the most high-profile writers and speakers in the state of Arkansas. Chances are you've read some of his columns or essays in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. He is the author of three books, the first full-length biography ever written about Hillary Rodham Clinton, another biography of Arkansas educator Ben Elrod, past president of Washita Baptist University in Arkadelphia, and Rex's alma mater, and last, a book with a collection of his essays on Arkansas, which I bet are funny, even though I haven't read them, but I bet they are, aren't they? Yes, he's nodding his head. He's also the author of a popular blog, Rex Nelson. SouthernFried.com, which is really fun to read, and I recommend it to everyone. That's Rex Nelson, SouthernFried.com. Some interesting history about Rex. He's the past policy and communications director for Governor Mike Huckabee. He was one of two appointees by President George W. Bush to the Delta Regional Authority. He has been inducted into the Arkansas Sportscaster and Sports Writer Hall of Fame. And more recently, Governor Asa Hutchinson named Rex as Rural Advocate of the Year for the state of Arkansas. I don't know what that is, but we'll find out. It is a pleasure and an honor to welcome to the table the super interesting Mr. Rex Nelson. Carrie, thanks for having me. This will be fun. You ought to, you've got a lot of radio experience. You ought to, you and I ought to like get up and switch chairs. <laughs> I'll let you host. I'll let you host. But I, I did start at a very young age. I always loved radio. I know. What'd you tell Tim when we came on? He said he started. I was, I was 13. 13 uh, years old. Yeah. I, I grew up in Arkadelphia and uh, the campus station at Henderson State University, one of these two watt stations, you know, that you only, only get around about half the town. But um, uh, the station manager there was good friends with the mother of one of my best friends. And we were always acting like we were on the radio and recording shows. So she talked him into giving us a show that we did every Friday afternoon, just like this on Friday afternoons for two hours. And then within a couple of years, I had actually graduated to the uh, commercial stations there in Arkadelphia and worked there all the way through high school and all the way through college. There's the something to be stations. said for growing up in a small town. Where else do you get to go on the radio at 13? Yeah, and do a two-hour radio show with your best a, friend. A, absolutely, small towns are great. Uh, when I was in college, I was, uh, and it's the opportunities it gives you. I, I was not only the sports director of KVRC KDL, which were the commercial stations there, AM and FM, but I was the sports editor of the newspaper, the Daily Siftings Herald. And I remember one of my friends from out of state came in. And they said, well, "Wait, let me, let me get this right." Said. Uh, uh, if I go to an Arkadelphia High School football game, you're calling the game on the radio. And I said, yeah. And he said, if I pick up the paper, then it's your story about the game also. And I said, yeah. And he said, you don't get much varied opinion on sports in this town, do oh. you? <laughs> My opinion's the only one you need anyway. <laughs> and that still goes today. So how old were you when you were doing that? 18? I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I started uh, – I started as a uh, freshman. It, it was interesting in that I had already gotten the job – uh, as sports editor of the paper, and I was going to be a color analyst for both the high school broadcast and the Washtenaw broadcast as a college freshman. And about two weeks during, uh, two weeks before the season, the guy that I was going to do the game, the high school games with, had a falling out 
with his stepmom. Uh, who on the radio station? On the station, yeah. <laughs> the, the dad sided with his wife rather than his son, and because uh, he had to go go home every night, right? And, uh, Good father. And so the Good son, husband. son left, and so the owner of the station called me in and said, "I want you to do play by play." And I said, well, "I'd love to." And what and game so is this? Basketball. This was football. football. RPF high school football. football. I had actually been playing the year before, so I went. I went literally from having played the previous fall to doing the play-by-play i did start the season on the college games doing color and then uh, my phone rang one day and a guy from conway named glenn hoggard was doing the uh, doing the play-by-play and the phone was kind of scratchy and i said where are you hoggard and he said i'm in saudi arabia and I said, Saudi Arabia, he was working for the Ward Bus Company. You remember the old yeah, Ward Bus Conway, Company? Yeah, Conway, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And Ward had gotten a huge contract to sell buses to the Saudi government. This is still interesting to me, to take pilgrims to Mecca. No way. And, yeah. Conway, Arkansas, Ward Bus. They were buying, the Saudi government was buying buses from them to haul pilgrims. You know, they have thousands and thousands, obviously, of Muslim pilgrims going to Mecca. So he said, I'm in Saudi Arabia. I'm going to miss the game today. You're going to have to do play-by-play. In fact, I'm probably going to be spending most of the rest of the fall in Saudi Arabia because this is a big account for us. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to end up doing the uh So you were older when that happened. I mean, he obviously, he's a— I was a freshman in college when that happened. And me. your friend was— He was older. He, he was, was older. older. Yeah. No, this was, this was another friend that I'd started with years before. But, no, Glenn was older. And so he was out of college. He was working full-time, but was still going to do the play-by-play. But I ended up picking it up as a freshman and have done it uh, the years I'm in Arkansas, was in, have been in Arkansas ever since. Now, it's it's not continuous because I lived in Washington, D.C. for part of the 1980s, but I, I have done it a total of 35 seasons I've been the Washington Playback. You play still man. are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aren't they lucky to have you? I enjoy it. It's fun. I I'm, bet I'm, it is. And That's my really... wife knows that I'm going to be gone 11 weekends in the fall, and she just expects it. I, You know, I tell people, some people golf, some people play tennis, some people, you know, uh, fish. I, I just have a weirder hobby. I do football games on the radio. So, <laughs> so I'm gone for 11 consecutive weekends. So when you were 13, though, i got to find out what two 13-year-olds oh, talk then. for two hours on the we radio. We played music, too. We played music, Oh, okay, too. good. Yeah, it wasn't just talk. So you played the We Beatles were just jockeys. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you went to OBU. You I wrote did. a biography about a guy from OBU. Mm-hmm. Didn't you write a biography? Your sec- in the yeah, opening, yeah, I said ben something Elrod, about your... Who was, who was a neighbor when he was the vice president of the school. And the school asked me to get involved in writing a story. And he's such a great leader in Arkansas history that uh, ended up doing a story on Dr. Elrod. But that, that was a labor of love a few years Dr. ago. Dr. Ben Elrod. What did you find interesting about him? He oh. became a minister. Oh, I read a, a little a, bit about Absolutely. It. No, just, just a great leader. Uh, he came back... Uh, to Washita, he had gone and he'd been president of other schools, but he came back to Washita when Dan Grant, who had been the president when I was in school, retired. And uh, Dr. Elrod comes back, and it was really a really kind of an uncertain time because there was a, a big not to get all off into that, but mm-hmm. you may remember there was kind of a big war in inside the Arkansas Baptist State Convention of you know conservatives uh, oh. and more moderates and Washtenaw kind of got caught in the middle of that. It, it took a man like Ben Elrod to really guide the school through that, and he was just the right man at the right time. One of the 
one of the true mentors in my life, somebody I look up to. That's a question I always ask people is who who would you say was the most influential person in your life? Did you say it was Ben? Uh, Dr. Ben? Uh, uh, he, he was, he's up there. There are other, there are others. I, I was real lucky and I've written about this to grow up in a college town. Arkadelphia, of course, has both Washtenaw Baptist University and Henderson State University. And I realize you take it for granted when you're a kid, but I realize now that because it was a college town, I was exposed to things, and we lived in a neighborhood. My dad was a businessman. He was not a faculty member at one of the schools, but most of the people in our neighborhood were. And so if I had grown up, you know, up the road one way in Malvern or down the road the other way in Hope, for instance, I wouldn't have had this. But I grew up in a neighborhood with a well-known playwright, a theologian, a composer, uh, the then lieutenant governor of Arkansas, Bob Riley, who was a political science professor at Washington. Just this rich, a famous basketball coach that's now in the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame. I can just go around the neighborhood thinking of this. And it was just this rich opportunity of all of these uh, very bright people who were college professors and administrators. and Is Arkadelphia uh, still like that? Uh, to a large extent, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a town with only 11,000 full-time residents, but it's got 5,000 college students there. Wow. So the colleges do dominate the economy there. Yes. Um, your father was a small business owner. He mm-hmm. had a sporting store. Sporting I, mean, I guess story, this is yeah. why you, you love maybe your Maybe you. Maybe this is why you love sports. Oh, because a- a- he was absolutely. A, he, what, yeah. tell, tell us what your father's business was. It, it was Southwest Sporting Goods, still in business. We don't have any family ownership of it now. The Spites family owns that business. But my dad and my uncle had started that business back in the early 1950s, basically built it through the years, uh, kind of like you've built your business, Carrie, into the – Uh, They became the top supplier to high schools and colleges around the state of athletic goods, and that's still what they do. Now, they had a retail portion there that you could go into, but I would say probably 80% of the business was actually uh, selling directly to schools, uniforms, balls, you, you name it. So that was and, a great place for him to uh, live also. Oh, it really because was. Because he had two know, great customers right there. In yeah, town. yeah. And I, and, uh, but he traveled the whole state, he and my uncle. Did and, you travel uh, with him? Oh, yeah, yeah. I took a whole year uh, actually, and uh, I, I think that's when I gained my love of traveling Arkansas. Um, my birthday is September 2nd, and rather with school starting right then, rather being than being the youngest one in my first grade class, my dad wanted me to be a little older, and so um, I tell people I flunked kindergarten and had to go a second year. But Rather than going to much kindergarten, and we had private kindergartens back then, Mrs. Butler for me, but rather than going to another year of kindergarten, I actually traveled the state most of that year with him. And we'd go out on the road did sometimes. You know, so spend, what, were you five or six? I was six. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. What did you learn on, while you were traveling? Oh, I just uh, learned so much. I, I mean, you know. Early in the school year and late in the school year when it was warm enough, you know, I love, we'd stay at a Holiday Inn and, you know, a small town boy, that's a big deal. Get to swim. He'd let me swim in the pool or we'd get out and we'd wade in the Caddo River, uh, you know, at Caddo Gap, he'd stop along the way. It was, you know, how much better can you have than traveling that's, with your dad around the state you, at that age? Yeah, yeah, that is where you fell in love with Arkansas probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He went to every little school. A lot of them don't even exist anymore. I think this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Rex Nelson 
and I don't know what we're going to talk about because his knowledge is two miles wide, and like he says, it's one inch deep. But we're going to talk on every kind of subject he loves, sports, barbecue, blues, politics, crappie fishing, horse racing, boxing, the Delta, (laughs) back roads, and much, much more. For decades, Kerry's guest, Rex Nelson, has been the play-by-play man for Washita Baptist football. And we thought since maybe you've never heard his play-by-play and you've only heard him interviewed here and there, you'd like to hear a little of him calling the action. Two wideouts to the right side. Spencer Knight goes in motion. Give to Keener. Big hole for him. 45-40, 35 30, 25-20, 15. So long. See you later, Bulldogs. Brought out over the 10, out over the 15. Watch out, running room, 30, 35, hits the sideline, 40. It's going to go all the way if he didn't step out of bounds. 20, 15, 10, 5, finally pulled down at the one-yard line. See if they go back to the ground. They will, coming left and just walking into the end zone for the touchdown. line for Washita on second down. Back to Keener. Keener rolls off and tackle to the 20. He's to the 15. He cuts the outside to the 5. Four, three, two, one, promise land. We'll be back to the interview on today's Up In Your Business program in just a minute. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting with door-to-door sales, then telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now, flagandbanner.com relies heavily on the internet and live chats with customers all over the world. Over this time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge has grown. As early as 2004, she began sharing her knowledge in her weekly blog. In 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom. And in 2014, Brave Magazine, a biannual publication. Today, she has branched out into podcasts, Facebook live stream, and YouTube videos of this radio show. Each week, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. Stay up to date by joining FlagandBanner.com's mailing list. You'll receive our Water Cooler Weekly e-blast that notifies you of our upcoming guests, happenings at Dreamland Ballroom, sales at FlagandBanner.com, access to Brave Magazine articles, and Carrie's current blog post. All that in one weekly email. Or you may simply like FlagandBanner.com's Facebook page for timely notifications. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. The FlagandBanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with blogger Mr. Rex Nelson, writer of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and many, many more. We were talking about how he was on the radio, and before we jump into all the other things he loves, you were on the radio when the Miracle on Ice won. Yeah, yeah. I just read that in your blog. Yeah, and and I'd written my Democrat Gazette column about it a couple of Sundays ago. one of the most highly recruited high school basketball players to ever to come out of Arkansas was a guy named Ricky Norton, who ended up playing at the University of Arkansas. Ricky was from this tiny little Class B school, Oklahoma High School. There is no longer an Oklahoma High School. There's no longer a Class B even in Arkansas classifications. But Ricky's senior year, he is the first player in a long time, at least, at the University of Kentucky, for instance, came into Arkansas and re- went really hard afterward after so 
uh, we decided to do all of their postseason games, district tournament, regional tournament, state tournament, Oklahoma on the Arkadelphia stations because we were the closest town of any size. Mm-hmm. And I was going to do the play-by-play. So I'm in an old WPA-type gym down in Emmett, Arkansas, near Hope, between right. Prescott and Hope. And uh, – uh, doing an Oklahoma basketball game in 1980, and I can remember the guy back on the board in Arkadelphia was a guy named L.D. Hoover, and I'm sitting there, and I got my headsets on, and I hear L.D. break in, and uh, he says, uh, Rex, I-, I can remember this like it was yesterday. He says, there's probably never been a hockey score, because that wasn't real big in Arkadelphia. <laughs> he says, there's probably never been a hockey score given on KVRC, but you might be interested in knowing that the United States just defeated the Soviet Union in hockey. Miracle on ice. Yeah, and that was the miracle on ice, yeah. What a great I was doing story. a basketball game in Emmett, Arkansas that day. <laughs> Announcing the miracle on ice winning score. That's yeah. pretty cool. I yeah. think that's great. So what subjects you want to talk about? Barbecue? Politics? You know a lot about you politics. Run, wherever you want to go. Yeah. You are currently the senior editor for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Tell us about that and your favorite topic to write about. Obviously, you like writing about uh, horseback, horse racing. But. Yeah. You know, I'd work full-time for the Democrat Gazette uh, and the old Arkansas Democrat back when we both had a Democrat and a Gazette. My first mm-hmm. job out of college. Was actually. it you working for the Gazette or for the Democrat? the Democrat guy. Mm-hmm. I, I came and I was sports writer at the Democrat Uh, I was later the assistant sports editor there, and then they sent me to Washington, D.C., and I was their Washington correspondent. For sports? Uh, No, no, no. I made the switch from sports to politics. So I was the Which do you like better? I like both. I like both. You like everything. (laughs) That's That's what my wife said. She says, you would be an awful movie reviewer or restaurant reviewer because you just like too much. But, uh, <laughs> I said, no, nah, I just know how to choose the good ones. So if uh, people want to read your column in the Gazette, where do they read it? It uh, it appears every Wednesday on the Voices page, which is opposite of the editorial page. That's what we call our op-ed page, the Voices page. Every Wednesday, every Saturday, and then on the editorial page. I'm the lead columnist on Sundays on the editorial page. That's so a lot of writing. Three, three columns a week. I was just freelancing one column a week, but I'm doing three columns a week now. So every Wednesday, every Saturday, and every Sunday. And then once a month, I do a longer essay that is the cover of the perspective section on on Sundays. So, how, do they limit you to how many words you can write? Yeah, yeah, you've got a you've got a length. Uh, Columns around 900 words or so. We we go by inch counts in the newspaper business rather than word counts, which is about – I have about 29 inches, column inches. So how many inches Wednesdays do you write Saturdays. a week? Well, 29, 29. I got about 32 uh, on Sunday, so about 90, 90 column take, inches. Does that take all week long to do? You know – the and and this may have come from having started in sports where you had to write real fast because you're covering night events and your own deadline. I've always been a fast writer, so I mean, what takes time? And that's the fun part is going out in the state because I don't just sit and pontificate. I, I don't believe in doing that kind of column. That's just not me. Uh, so going out in the state, gathering material, uh, talking to people—that's what takes the time. The actual writing, I can write a column and write at. Two hours. That's writing it, editing it, and being but through. But it's the with research. It. Yeah, yeah. And the experience. Uh huh. What do you decide to go, and what do you decide to write on? You know, or are you limited? Do they say you're only going to write about this? But it doesn't sound like it. it sounds like yeah. you've got free reign to do what that's, you want. That's the great thing about it, and uh, I realize how lucky I am, and I can write about anything I want to. When 
when I was the political editor of the Democrat Gazette when Mike Huckabee took office in 96, and I joined him over in the governor's office, and I thought it would be a short detour into government. And it ended up, you know, a couple of years, go back to the newspaper business, uh, see how that side works. Ended up being 13 years. I worked in the governor's office for more than nine years. Then I worked in the Bush administration for four years. So I was in government for 13 years. So when I came out of government after 13 years, I thought, God, I'd love to write again. So I called Paul Greenberg, editorial page editor at the Democrat Gazette at the time. said, Paul, would you be open to having a weekly columnist? And I guarantee you, you know, having worked as their political editor and then having worked in a governor's office and then having worked in a presidential administration, they figured I'd write about politics, right? Right. But I got to looking at that page, and there was so much dadgum politics on that page. I just thought I'd be, a, you know, another voice. And maybe at least some of us, as we get a little more, a little older, a little more experienced, you know, maybe we get a little more humble because I was really thinking, who really cares what I think about health care reform or anything else? So just kind of by osmosis, my niche kind of became Arkansas, for lack of a better term. I mean, I could write about national politics if I wanted to. They don't tell me what to write, but I rather write about Arkansas people, colorful characters, colorful places. Arkansas food, Arkansas music, Arkansas history, those, those tend to be what my columns are about. Mm-hmm. I love how you're uh, the top of your um, your Rex Nelson Southern Fried dot com page talks about oh, oh, exactly all those things. Yeah, it's just yeah. a string of all those things you like to talk about. What's your favorite place in Arkansas? My favorite place in Arkansas. Do I have to pick just one? I Isn't like Arkansas divided into... Don't you think Arkansas has two completely different cultures? Yeah. Or do you oh, think oh, it has absolutely. more than that? I think, I think it probably has more than that. If I had to pick one place in Arkansas, um, you know, because I, I so love those Saturday afternoons, and I grew up a block from there. Where? It would be Where? The, it would be the football field at Washita because I, I just so enjoy – Broadcasting college football games on Saturday afternoons. That makes in the sense. Fall. Arkadelphia would be your and, favorite place. Uh, you love that yeah. town. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I have I have let my two boys come, and hopefully we're a long way off from that. But you know, I, kind of my trademark is I describe being a Baptist school. It's kind of a fit. I describe the end zone a lot of time as to the promised land. Don't play by play call <laughs> into the promised land. <laughs> So I have inf- I, love that. I have inf- I have informed my sons when my day comes that's where I want my ashes scattered in the end zone in the promised at the land yeah, yeah, at the Washington football field you so know I have to sneak into the football field and scatter my ashes I in was going to say there's rules against that you can't just yeah. go spreading out your remains all over the place <laughs> well, they know how to get in they know how to sneak in they know the back door so yeah. I mean there is two different there is two different uh, – there's, like, the mountains of Arkansas. Yeah, but and I, then, I would tell you that uh, the Washtenaw culture is very different than the Ozark culture even. So we've got two mountain ranges in the state. I think those are different cultures you'll mm-hmm. find. Uh, is Washtenaw mountain range – is it true that it's the only mountain range that goes – East to west? It's one of the few. Yeah, one of the, one of the few. So tell our listeners what, what that what I'm talking about. Well, I, I mean, mountain ranges uh, can Traditionally. go south and south, north and south or east or west. And, and, and most the Ozarks and the Washtaws are different in, in that sense. But, but I think, and I, I can't really put a finger on it, but the people are different. The culture's different. 
you know, from southwest Arkansas to northwest Arkansas on the mountain side of the state. And then, of course, you get over the Delta, and it's really different. But you got Crowley's Ridge, this hill country, running through the middle of the Delta, and it's a little different. So I, I think we've got at least five or six cultures in Arkansas. So right now, what are you researching that you're thinking about writing about? Well, I, I can tell you some I've already written because I try to stay about a week ahead, uh, trying to revitalize Capitol Avenue in downtown Little Rock, uh, Arkansas Post, speaking about getting out in the state, way down in southeast Arkansas. What's Arkansas Post? Arkansas Post was the original territorial capital. Uh, it was the first settlement that the French settled in Arkansas. When Arkansas became a territory in 1819, it was the territorial capital. The Arkansas Gazette was founded there, oldest newspaper west of the Mississippi in 1819. And then the capital moved to Little Rock in 1821, and the Gazette moved with it to Little Rock in 1821. And I always loved the fact that when we had a separate Arkansas Gazette, their P.O. Box was P.O. Box 1821. Really? Decades, yeah. Yeah, the year that it moved to Little Rock. I always just thought that was a nice touch. You were just like a man of trivia. Trivia, yeah. It's, I've got all kinds, nothing important, just all kinds of worthless information floating around. Are you traveling right now on the back there. roads of Arkansas to yeah, somewhere? Yeah, I was in Clarendon down in the lower White River country, which I love. I've uh, never had been to the Lone Oak County Museum in Lone Oak, believe it or not. So I went to it, poked around, had a barbecue sandwich at Craig's and Duvall's Bluff, my favorite barbecue place in the state. And, uh, so there's another um, there's another barbecue place that uh, won the James, uh, James Beard, Beard Award. Jones, uh-huh, you, And you, you prefer Craig's over Jones? I probably do, and I'll admit my bias. Uh, Craig's is in Prairie County. My mother was from Prairie County. Uh, my grandparents in Desart, I'd spend large parts of the summers with them, and we'd often road trip down to Duvall's Bluff and pick up barbecue. So I was kind of raised on Craig's Barbecue. But Mr. Jones puts out a mighty fine barbecue sandwich, too. Well, he just puts it on white bread. Yes, he does. On that square white bread. Absolutely. Wonder better bread. get there early now, because after he won that Beard Award, when he's out, he's out. So being a businesswoman, I went down there and sat in his parking lot after he won that Beard Award and went in there and got a barbecue and came out and sat in his parking lot and did the math on how many people went through there the day and how much his overhead was. And I figure he's got money buried all over that place. <laughs> There's no way he's got an overhead at all. No overhead. It, it's an old house. It's in a residential neighborhood. As you it's saw. almost a lean to. parking lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, what uh, is he doing with all that money? <laughs> you need to ask him. Mr. Jones is a man of few words, but he's yeah. always been good to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's time for us to take another break. We're at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with super interesting and observant Rex Nelson. We'll hear more stories and get his opinion on more stuff. Maybe we'll talk about blues and politics and crappie fishing. We still haven't. We've got lots of things we've left off. Arkansas Flag and Banner is proud to underwrite Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. McCoy began this broadcast with the intention of offering a mentoring platform for those with an entrepreneurial spirit. Through candid conversation and interesting interviews with business and community-minded Arkansans, listeners gain insight into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Carrie McCoy, founder and president of Arkansas Flag and Banner, believes in paying knowledge and experience forward and developed this radio show as a means of doing so. The biographies, life experiences, and wisdom of her guests would likely go unheard if not for this venue. Rarely do people open up for an hour to an audience about their life, 
mistakes, triumphs, and pitfalls. This unique radio show allows the listener intimate access into the stories of prominent leaders in our state. I am Adrian McNally, manager of the Arkansas Flag and Banner Showroom and Gift Shop, located on the first floor of the historic Taborian Hall on the corner of 9th and State Streets in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. In business for 43 years, we offer an old-school shopping experience with front door parking, clerks to help you, and department store variety. Open to the public Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, and Saturday, 10 to 4. On today's program, you've heard Carrie refer to Rex Nelson's sense of humor. Well, here's a little bit of it on display. This was at a roast of another guest on this program, David Basil as Rex Nelson introduces Governor Asa Hutchinson and others. Governor, thank you for being with us tonight and adding a little class to this table. We needed that. We are proud to have you as our governor, and we're delighted that you were elected to statewide office on only your 17th try. Congratulations. (laughs) You know, it is really special up here tonight. Think about it. Tonight on this one table you get to see the handiwork of two of the great artisans in our state. The person who whitens David Basil's teeth and the person who dyes Bill Vickery's hair. All at the same table. Oh, here's my old friend Keith Jackson. He deserts us for the University of Oklahoma and then we make him the Razorback color analyst. Go figure. I can say one thing, however, Keith. Sooners and Razorbacks have one thing in common. We both hate Texas, so we got that. I used to have one of those bumper stickers in my room when I was a kid. Remember those? No fruit sucks like the big orange of Texas. And speaking of Razorbacks, there's Big Joe from Slater Moe. I see Joe Klein these days, and I automatically think of barbecue. In fact, I think of my favorite barbecue in Little Rock, Sims. Now back to Carrie McCoy on Up In Your Business. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with the blogger Rex Nelson, writer for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. You know, I never interview anybody that I don't learn something from. Interviewing's fun. I love interviewing people. I love it. I'm an experiential learner. I don't mm-hmm. like to read to learn. Unlike you, you're a reader, reader, reader. And so every time I have to interview somebody, I just learn all kinds of interesting stuff. You are an appointee by President George W. Bush to the Delta Regional Authority. What did you do? <laughs> what does that mean? And what did you do? The Delta Regional Authority And is it was, bigger than Arkansas? It was one of the last bills. Yes, it's parts of eight states. And it was uh, one of the last bills that Bill Clinton signed before he left the White House in late 2000, he signed the bill creating the Delta Regional Authority. It, it's a federal-state partnership, parts of eight states, including a large part of Arkansas. Uh, the governors work closely uh, with two presidential appointees to uh, kind of spur economic development in rural areas uh, of those states that tend to have high poverty rates, that being most of eastern Arkansas that Were you we successful? represented. Uh, you never have enough money to do what you need to. I mean, we had some successes, but it you're constantly frustrated because the needs are just so great and the money's so limited. Why do people stay there? Uh, because it's home. Because it's home and they love it. I love the Arkansas Delta. And it may come from the fact that my mother's from East Arkansas, even though I grew up in Southwest Arkansas. I mean, that's, it's a really interesting area, but I think there's some potential for some good things to happen. What does a past policy and communications director for Governor Mike Huckabee do? Because you are also that. 
Yeah. What do you do? Well, I, I, I ran uh, our, our communications uh, operation, our, our policy shops. So I had a number of people in the governor's office that reported to me, and I was also one of the lead spokesmen for him to the media. So I spent a lot of time dealing with the media. You did press uh, conferences? Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I returned a lot of phone calls and returned a lot of emails. I, I didn't do press conference. We don't do a press briefing you know, as such, uh, in a small state like Arkansas, like the White House does. I mean, people expect to be able to reach the governor personally in Arkansas. How old was the current press secretary? Sarah. She Sarah was, Huckabee. She was 13 years old when I went to work for Governor Huckabee. Did you know she was so, going to grow up to be such a powerhouse? Yeah, yeah. She bossing, always been smart. I was going to say, was she bossing you around? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe she learned a little bit from me. I don't know. You'd have to oh. ask her that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So her teenage years, but I, I worked for her dad. You know, from when she was thirteen till I guess she was twenty two. Some interesting trivia about you: you were inducted into the Arkansas Sportscasters and Sports Writers Hall of Fame, and you should be. But how did that come about? They they called and said uh, they do a vote among their membership. And uh, somehow uh, they they had voted they had voted me in. I mean, they've got some big names through the years that have gone in there. But I guess uh, I guess I got lucky. This thing's based in Conway, and Conway was what I refer to as an old AIC town. AIC being the old Arkansas Intercollegiate Conference, which Washington Henderson, my hometown, was in, and uh, UCA and Hendricks uh, used to be in the AIC. So uh, I grew up writing about that conference a lot and broadcasting games in that conference. So that probably probably gave me a little little uh, among the people who were voting uh, gave me a little bit of an advantage. Well, you deserve that. You know, if you do anything long enough, somebody's going to recognize you. <laughs> you just hang around. You just you know you got to outlive them. You know the old saying. So. You know, Chris Rock said that he was a successful rock star just because all of his other friends that were on touring and playing music just decided that they were going to quit and go get a job. And he said, "I just never did. I just kept going and kept going until finally one day I became a rock star. I yeah. just tried it so hard. Just, just keep going, and everybody else gives it up or dies or goes on to something else. You know, so mm-hmm. just hang with it long enough. Hang with it long enough." Um, more recently, Governor Asa Hutchinson named you the Rural Advocate of the Year for the state of Arkansas. Well, I write about rural Arkansas a lot. I talk about rural Arkansas a lot. I travel rural Arkansas a lot. So You I'm love very rural honored. Arkansas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was uh, thinking yesterday afternoon as I was driving again over in the Clarendon area how much, how much fun I was having. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was listening to NCAA basketball on the radio. It was a beautiful day. Couldn't have been prettier uh, driving through that area of the Arkansas Delta. My, my idea of a good time. So what is your – we've talked about where your favorite place is, which is naturally Arkadelphia. And we've talked about your favorite hamburger, but he wouldn't commit, would he, Tim? <laughs> nope, nope. Yeah. I've, yeah. And not Craig, been Craig's Barbecue he liked for barbecue. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you, uh, what about fried chicken? Uh, you know, I think our strongest, our strongest barbecue area is definitely East Arkansas. Our strongest fried chicken area is Northwest Arkansas. I probably wouldn't surprise you. Mm-hmm. So the old original AQ there in Springdale, oh, yeah. I, I still like any very much. Uh, one of our inductees into the Arkansas Food Hall of Fame, the Venetian Inn, 
out in Tonty Town. Oh, yeah. Uh, their signature dish is fried chicken and spaghetti. You know, it kind of mixes their Italian heritage with their Arkansas heritage, which is a great dish. So I, I love uh, I love Venetian Inn. And then there's an all-you-can-eat fried chicken place out near Beaver Lake called the Montanay Inn outside of Rogers. And so my th- three favorite fried chicken places are probably up in that corner of the you know, state. You should write, do you write often about food? I write about food some, yeah. You should be writing about yeah, food. You know food a lot about it. Coming. And the river and you've been writing about the riverfront park and or just about the revitalization of downtown Little Rock. Yeah. It's yeah, doing a, some fabulous uh, well, things. Well, thanks thanks to people like you who've hung in there when the going was tough. And I mean that sincerely. Uh and uh you you're gonna talk about your grant, right? Today. Yes, let's talk about it. <laughs> For, go ahead. I'll interview you now. No, you so my son comes running down the hall at Arkansas Flag and Banner. This is the son I was pregnant with when I bought the Taborian Hall for $20,000. and every 20000 Wow. But, honey, it was falling to the ground. Oh, yeah. Everybody yeah. said, you're going to lose your money. My mother loaned me the money. My father handed it to me with a disgusted look on his face and said, I'll never see that again. And I thought, yes, you will. I'm going to pay every dime of that back. So uh, have you all ever noticed how these um, – these millennials are so socially conscious. Mm-hmm. They're Absolutely. Like, they're like the greatest generation. Yes, yes. I love them. Sense. Uh-huh. I love them. Um, and he wrote for a grant. And just no news, no news, no news. Well, finally, he comes running down the hall, and he's running in there, and he's got something on his phone, and he's trying to pull it up, and he's trying to put it on speakerphone, and he's got a message. You know, somebody left him a voicemail. And I'm like, what is wrong with him? And finally, it comes on, and it says, this is the National Park Service calling to tell you you just the, the Dreamland Ballroom has just received a four hundred and ninety nine thousand dollar grant for an elevator. Wow, wow! It was shocking. They yeah. just left it on his. They just left it on his phone on his voicemail. Yeah. French called me. Uh, he was out of town, and he called me. He said, "That's just a perfect example of if you just keep at it and work mm-hmm. hard. Someday it will pay off." And that's just like you getting that Sports Hall of Fame award. I mean, you just work hard, keep your nose uh, absolutely. To the and that's Everybody what you've done asks, there. Yeah. Everybody always asks, "What's the key to success?" And I'm like, "Don't ever quit." Yeah, just yeah. keep plugging. We're, we're going to take a plugging. call here. Hello, caller. You're listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. You're on the air. Hey, Carrie McCoy. My name is Ann Rhodes. Um, There we go. (laughs) I'm certainly enjoying your show today. And I just wondered if you might ask uh, your guest if Huffy had any influence with his his, uh, great career. My cousin trying to put me on the spot. (laughs) My dear cousin. (laughs) And she's trying to put me on the spot on the radio. I didn't mention the matches. Just just Huffy. Thank you, Ann. We used to, to spend a, a lot of show. time together as kids. Yeah. Yes, he had a radio show, Carrie, back when he was probably about five or six. An imaginary we, radio show, yes. yeah. And we would get in trouble because we would hear his mother's heels digging in the hallway because we were supposed to be asleep. But I really think Huffy gave his career a boost. <laughs> what does That's, Huffy mean? It was an imaginary character. You know how you have <laughs> imaginary characters. Oh. Later on, I'll let y'all get back to it. Thanks, Hope y'all have a good weekend. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. So you were play, pretend playing at six years old to be on the radio? Yeah. Yeah. You do love it. What do you call people like that? Audiophiles? (laughs) That's one of them. Radiophile? Yeah. And I I always loved newspapers, too. I collected newspapers as a kid. So my parents' attic was the biggest fire trap in the south half of the state. (sighs) And I remember my dad saying, why can't you collect coins or stamps like other people? Because they're small. You know, newspapers yeah. are heavy. Yeah. 
heavy. And they, again, they became a big fire trap. Uh, Do you uh, still have them? Uh, I actually, when we, when my parents passed away, uh, I thought about keeping that house. It, it took us forever. We had 50 years worth of stuff in there. And, uh, my sister did the yeoman's work of cleaning it out. And I ended up donating that newspaper collection to Washtenaw, basically just because they were willing to come pick it up. You know, you know how archivists are. Don't throw away anything. I thought, well, great. And my wife gives me a hard time. She said, you know, most people have to either throw stuff or they have to rent a storage shed and pay for it out of their pocket. You somehow pawn your stuff off on your alma mater as quote-unquote <laughs> papers. You know, and they come and pick it up. But I knew the head of the archives there. So yeah, I bet, they, I bet your house in. is like that, too. Is it wall-to-wall with stuff you collect? I got a, lot of, got a lot of books, a lot of magazines, a lot of newspapers in the house. Too many, according to my wife. So before we went on, I asked you if you could not not write. Now. And that's one reason I went back to full-time writing. I had a very good job and left on good terms at Simmons Bank. But I had this opportunity to become a full-time columnist and do three columns a week instead of one. I jumped at it. There are too many stories I want to tell around Arkansas. And I was afraid uh, – I'm careful how I say this. This almost sounds egotistical. But there are a lot of stories out there I was afraid if I didn't tell them, they weren't going to get told because other people no, were writing. No, that's exactly about, right. Yeah, other people were writing about other things. It's I, a responsibility to And do I that. wanted those stories told. That's so. exactly right. Yeah. I'm going to tell everybody we're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with author and blogger Rex Nelson, writer of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And when he was talking earlier about when you left Simmons Bank, he used, you used to also be the Simmons First National Director of Communications, mm-hmm. but you're not doing that anymore. You did write a full – you wrote the very first full-length biography on Hillary Rodham Clinton called The Hillary Factor. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, this is almost embarrassing, too, because uh, I remember – well, I'll tell you why. I remember going to uh, one of these writers' conferences, and all of these people who'd written you know, what they thought was the great American novel, and some of them had written nonfiction, and uh, so they were all saying, well – how do you get published? You know, I've been turned down. You're this by 20 publishers. I've got this manuscript. I keep getting turned down. And I almost felt embarrassed to tell them the truth. And the truth was I had a publisher beg me to write something that I really didn't have time to do and didn't want to do and turned him down three times. And he kept calling because I was political editor of the Democrat Gazette. Bill Clinton had just been elected. We were going from one full-time person to three full-time people in D.C. I had to supervise all of them, help them get a new bureau set up. I, I was just busy. And uh, this guy said, well, I was given your name. And what he was looking for was a very fast biography. It's not anything that's going to win a National Book Award, but a very fast biography of the new first lady. Other people had done plenty on Bill, but they wanted something on Hillary. So uh, I didn't even start till after the inauguration. So I started the book in late January. I had to have 100,000 words to them by the 4th of July, or by July 1st, I think. And uh, in addition to your job, in addition to my real job. And our first son was born during that time, too, who I never saw. And so I would do the book. I was doing it from the newspaper office because that's where all the files were. But I was doing the book late at night and on weekends. And I would go in about seven every Sunday morning, working seven days a week and, and work all day on Sunday writing on this book. And I can remember one Sunday I was uh, 
like this little kid that didn't want to go to school. It's like, I'm tired. I'll stay and watch football today. You know, I, I, I can't go. And my wife just pushed me out of the door, out the door, you know, and said, you got to, you got a July 1st deadline. You got to, you got to have this thing done. And, uh, I think she'd probably already spent the advance anyway. <laughs> so I didn't have to turn it in. I'd gotten an advance. And, uh, so that had probably already been spent. So it's anyway, somehow I got it. In so you like the book first. Uh, or yeah. you feel like it's thrown together and you'd like to redo it. Oh, I, it was, it was quickie. I mean, it was basically a straight, it didn't take, it, it it's not pro Hillary. It's not anti Hillary. It's just a story of her life. And, uh, I, actually, uh, one of my, uh, colleagues at the newspaper, and again a colleague. Now that I've gone back full time again after 21 years away, uh, uh, Philip Martin, who's an outstanding writer. Philip actually edited the book and wrote a great introduction to it, so he was a great help on that too. Are you in the Clintons' friends? Uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't use the word friends uh, like everybody else. I, I know Bill better than I know Hillary because I covered him so much through the years, but. Uh, You've also written a collection of essays. Oh, I want to ask you in your book about Hillary, did you put anything in there about her mother having been a maid? Uh, you know I, that story. I, Very few people know this about Hillary I had Clinton's about her mother. mother. But I, no, I don't remember anything about Hillary her mother Clinton's being a mother maid. was uh, was you know very poor, and so. Mm-hmm. She was at around 15, 14 or 15, she was a housemaid for a rich lady, and the lady realized how smart she was and mm-hmm. said, if you can get all your housework done, I'll let you go to high school. And she oh, let wow. her go to high school, and then she graduated and did so good she ended up getting a scholarship and going to college. And I've always wondered why Hillary has this unbelievable work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think if you grow up with a mother who was a housemaid who went to school, you know that got her work done, and they went to, um, and they went to high school, and lived in a rich lady's home. That your perception of life is maybe just a little bit different than the average American. Yeah, because yeah. I would never work as hard as these politicians work. Would oh, you? Exactly. Oh no, no. I you don't my, understand them. You know, I do remember my two best interviews for that book, and because I had to do it so quickly, these were usually by telephone. But my two best interviews, and the name's escaping me right now, but it was. It was like the assistant pastor at the Methodist church she grew up in, up in the Chicago suburbs, and he was the youth director. He was just wonderful. And then Vic Nixon, if you're in Little Rock, who married Bill and Hillary, and, and still had vivid memories of all of that. And he, he was great, too. So interestingly enough, two two pastors, two preachers were my two best two best interviews. Well, I saw on your book cover it said interviews uh, with people that knew her. And I figured that's what you were – that's what it's yeah. mostly about is just kind of reciting what other people told you yeah, in the interviews. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely. pretty interesting. And, and again, it was the first book about her. There have since been a bunch of hardcovers. That's that a big claim out. to fame. But it was the first full-length biography because they wanted his paperback, but they wanted it out there quickly. That's a claim. That's a so good the, claim to fame. The Hillary Factor. Came the out. Hillary Factor. What's next for you? Oh, gosh, I'm going to keep grinding out columns right now. I'm having too much fun doing that. What so. advice would you give yourself of it, uh, uh, as a young man today? Knowing what you know, what advice would you give as, yourself? As a young man? As a young man. Mm-hmm. Be a little more patient. You know, I always wanted to move to the next level. I finished college, even though I was having a great time in three and a half years instead of four. Uh, you know, be a little more patient. Uh, now, I do sound like an old man, you know, but the stop and smell the roses thing that we talk about. You know, I was always ready to move on, accomplish the next thing. And uh, I, I've, I've gotten 
a lot more patient. Uh, and now I can allow myself to drive slowly through East Arkansas and realize I'm being productive in my own way, even though I might not be sitting at a computer mm-hmm. writing copy at that It's time. okay. It it's is okay. okay. Absolutely. It is okay. It is okay. It's hard to do that when you're an ambitious person. Yeah. It's hard to tell yourself it's okay to yeah. stop and smell the roses. And Absolutely. I, I think that's wisdom. Um, your legacy, I think I already know what it is, is you're going to be telling the stories of Arkansas. You know, I, I, I've got a long way to go still to achieve that. But somebody once asked me, they said, what, what, how would you like to be known? And I still think of myself in my mind as being about 28 mm-hmm. and I act about 18, according to my <laughs> wife. But anyway, I, at some point, and I've still got a long way to go. I, I you know, people would ask me, what would you like to be known as? I said, well, maybe this kind of Arkansas wise man, just this person that knows about Arkansas, its people, and kind of understands the state and what makes it tick. We're we're a unique place. We are a unique place. Everywhere that you talk about and write about is is wonderful. And you know what? I think everything that you write is probably going to be in the Butler Center one day. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. So when I told my people at Arkansas Flag and Banner you were coming to you were going to be on the air, he uh, Jeff Roper from the showroom said that you'd called and ordered a book oh that you forgot to pick up. Oh my gosh, I did forget to pick up. Well, lucky what? No, you're not. It's your gift, and I'm going to. And it's oh been signed gosh. by Jeff all the people. Jeff emailed me that and that, and I did forget. Oh my gosh! That's the other thing about I'm getting embar- older. You've embarrassed me like my cousin did on the air. <laughs> I told him like I'll be by next week to get that. Now, that's been several months ago. He said, "Oh, Rex has got a book I've been saving for him here." So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, it's Gary. a, it's a for all of our listeners. It's a recipe in per- perpetuity. The timeless tastes and tales from the residents and the future residents of the Mount Holly Cemetery. It's a great yeah. cookbook. It's a great cookbook. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Good. you. I, will I think that's this. the last one I have, too. I oh, think you wow. got the last signed thank, one. Thank you. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program's been about you, you're right. It's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. Right now at flagandbanner.com, there's a special discount going on that could go a long way toward making any events that you've got coming up this spring and summer extra special. I'm talking about custom artwork for street pole banners, flags, banners of any kind, really, tents of any kind for your custom events. Trade show displays especially really stand out if you've got customized artwork. And from right now till April 4th, Just mention that you heard this ad about Flag and Banner and get $125 off your custom artwork fee. This offer's only good till the 4th of April. Go to flagandbanner.com to take advantage of it. You've got a big spring and summer coming up. Let us help. flagandbanner.com You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guests. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.